Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yes, indeed, we are back in for another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat competent host of the show, TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the purveyor, the man that you read all the time at SportsMediaWatch.com. John Lewis back with another jam-packed edition. we got a lot of different topics from the wrap-up of the World Series to Aaron Rodgers' comments about his vaccination status, his COVID-19 positive status, missing the huge game at Kansas City this weekend. We're going to cover all of that. Lots on the ratings from different sports, including college football, including the NBA, the wrap-up of the NASCAR season. And, of course, we can't get out of here with a little trusty love it or leave it not being played with John Lewis. First of all, John, how are you? I know you have traveled. You've been telling us on the podcast you were going to travel. You have traveled since last we talked to Boston. You're officially in Beantown. Is there any independent confirmation that you have shown up in Boston and the Patriots have started winning football games? Are those two things related, coincidental? John has maybe brought some mojo to Bill Belichick, or did Belichick just do well on his own? I'm not sure. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I doubt that my arrival here is, uh, you know, having any impact on the Patriots. I, I do think that, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, maybe Northeastern or Boston College or Boston University will see some success. Uh, you know, you never know. Northeastern's been pretty well in men's soccer. Maybe that's maybe that's because of me. Okay, you'll take credit for that one. Uh, always love getting to to chop it up with John wherever he is, and again wherever you are, and however you found us through a social media link through John's site, SportsMediaWatch.com. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure you're following us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Again, John, I keep repeating to distinguish. We do not charge for this podcast on Apple Podcast or on uh, Spotify where they have the subscription area. Just follow us. You get it for free. Everywhere else, subscribe on Google Podcast, on Stitcher, uh, on Spreaker. Anywhere else that you get podcasts, you will find sportsmediawatch.com's podcast with John Lewis. And uh, we would love to have you. And then you get it automatically to you, usually early in the week. You'll get a notification and you are good. So with that out of the way, uh, let's begin kind of chronologically. Since last we talked, the World Series did wrap up with the Atlanta Braves victory, their first world championship since William Jefferson Clinton was in the White House in the mid-1990s. I think parachute pants were still a big deal. I know gas was under a dollar a gallon. There's a lot of things about 19. 95 when the Braves last won the World Series. They get one now in 2021, an improbable win, especially after losing Ronald Acuna, one of the best players in baseball, middle of the season. They still find a way to win through the postseason, beat the Dodgers, and then eventually win the World Series with the Houston Astros. So, John, it is wrapped up. Um, I would describe it as fairly well uh, rated relative to what you've been talking about. What are your thoughts as baseball is now done? Well, you know, uh, we're in an era now where a six plus rating is a good rating. And that's kind of amazing, but it's just true, right? Uh, World Series had been for a long time in the seven and eight range, which was historically low. But after last year with a 5.2, you know, 
six point, I think it was 6.5. That's pretty good now. Um, you know, and uh, ultimately, I think Fox got its money's worth. I, I do think that anytime you're winning the night with a three rating and adults 18 to 49, you're not getting that with anything else on TV. And simple fact is, hey, you know, uh, the very next night, the Masked Singer was fractional in that demo. So if you're Fox, you've got to love it. You know, now someone pointed out to me when I was saying this on Twitter about how Fox, you know, did so well in 18 to 49 and 18 to 34 with the World Series and the very next night had much, much smaller numbers for the Masked Singer. Multiple people pointed out to me that, well, the Masked Singer is cheaper. And, you know, ultimately Fox is giving up Thursday night football, which is getting even, you know, far better numbers in those demos in the World Series. And Fox is paying about the same for baseball as it's been paying for Thursday night football. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. What, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, this isn't a great value? I mean, it's a good question because you look at the NBA deal, ESPN's paying so much money for it, but, you know, they get a lot more on the cable side. So the finals on ABC doesn't really matter. I think the NBA is worth $1.4 billion when you're talking about Wednesdays and Fridays every single week for months on ESPN and ESPN2. I think getting a couple million viewers guaranteed every Wednesday and Friday night for how many ever months the NBA lasts is a huge value. But Fox, their deal is just the broadcast network and a handful of really low-rated games on FS1. Maybe that's not so valuable if, if the primary thing is the World Series and all you're getting out of that is a you know, maybe, maybe seven good nights. I mean, maybe it's not worth the money. But to me, I, I think I look at it as a value. I look at it as, you know, you're not getting those kinds of numbers with anything else. Fox's ratings are awful. Fox's shows are awful. They're bringing back Joe Millionaire. We talked about Joe Millionaire last week. We did. And like clockwork, they're bringing it back. Did you speak no that into existence, potentially bringing up Joe Millionaire? You might have on the podcast. I did. So I will say they need to bring back the Mick with Caitlin Olson and uh, Caitlin <laughs> okay. Olson and the rest of that cast. They need to bring that back. Although after all these years, it's been off the air for like two or three years. It's probably not going to be as good, but still, you know, give it another shot with that. I'm all down with Kiefer Sutherland in 24, but I don't know how they resuscitate that one for the 18th time if they're able to do that. Yeah. When they when they were killing it, uh, you know, back in the in the early two thousands, uh, they should that, uh, so. they should bring back Andy Richter controls the universe. <laughs> I thought you were maybe going to go all the way back to like Melrose Place and stuff in the nineties. No, no, uh, no Melrose Place, no nine hundred two one. It it is it is interesting because a, a lot of times the philosophy, and you can speak more to this, is. Uh, if we can, if we can carve out the niche, the baseball fans, for example, it's been ingrained. Come to us for the World Series. The Friday night wrestling SmackDown ratings are very good because, again, they've now been doing it. What John, three or four years, where you know, on Friday night on Fox, the wrestling is there. You know, on Thursday night, the NFL has been on Fox, but as you mentioned, it's about to go away. If you have the audience accustomed to coming to you, maybe that's worth something also. Maybe not top dollar, but it's worth something for what's the best way. The, uh, the phrase I've heard is appointment viewing. If you, yeah. if you know that's going to be there on Fox, maybe that's worth the money that you're spending. Yeah, but they need, they need more in terms of regular season inventory. One, Fox only has a handful of windows each year. I know the new deal, 
I mean, the New Deal was reached so long ago, so million, you know, many million eons ago. It's hard for me to remember what's in it. I know there's supposed to be more Fox games. But to me, I look at that deal as Fox needs to be airing uh, a weekly primetime game, not on FS1, on, on Big Fox. I mean, that's Saturday night, you know, or if that doesn't work with other commitments, maybe Friday night. You know, Fox's ratings are so awful right now that even regular season baseball wouldn't be, you know, that bad. Uh, so they need to have more regular season inventory to justify this deal because, you know, Mike Mulvihill at Fox likes to talk about how well, you can't judge baseball's value off the World Series. And that's true. But, you know, when the rest of your contract is just a handful of regular season Saturdays and a few Saturday doubleheaders on FS1, you got a bunch of four o'clock Saturday afternoon games on FS1. How is that worth the money? You know, so TBS, they get, they're getting rid of their terrible Sunday afternoon arrangement and they're getting into prime time with baseball next year. And to me, you know, so long as you, so long as the World Series is going to be so matched up dependent and even at its best, you're, you know, you're getting some good nights, but it's not, you know, I mean, it, I think you got to get more regular season inventory. You got to get it on Big Fox. You got to get, you know, you got to get more, more games more nights and uh you know that's that would make it more worthwhile i think voice of john lewis sportsmediawatch.com love his insight on the podcast and there's one more variable we won't go down this rabbit hole right now is there going to be a labor stoppage with baseball because the collective bargaining agreement's about to be up and how much is that going to hurt if they restrict regular season and keep in mind a year ago during the pandemic year during the COVID 19 pandemic year they didn't play all the way until july And so that hurt Fox with the inventory yeah. uh, and the give backs, and that had to be worked out. So could be some flux with that. Let's move along. Uh, and here we go. We could spend probably an hour. We won't spend an hour, I promise, on the podcast on Aaron Rodgers and the whole situation. I think everybody is pretty familiar by now with his comments from last Friday. You want to come at it from the venue, the outlet in which He gave his first interview, which is the Pat McAfee show, a digital uh, show on video and on podcast. McAfee has built quite a following. The former punter in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts has built quite a following, does a good job with that. Speaking of SmackDown, he is the wrestling analyst also on SmackDown, among many of his Mm -hmm. duties as well. McAfee got the first comments and a long extended interview where Aaron Rodgers was on what, John, about 45 minutes, the first 15 minutes of his uh, appearance was him simply explaining his position, his thoughts, his situation. All right, I've teed it up for you. What do you want to say about all of that, including uh, McAfee getting that first interview? Well, you know, uh, my understanding, and I, I you know, I like, like I said, like you said at the top, I've been doing a lot of traveling lately, so I haven't been giving this story as much attention as I normally would. My understanding is that people are mad at Pat McAfee for not becoming Jim Gray during an interview with Pete Rose or something. You know, there's a weird kind of idea that everybody is like in the same journalistic role in this industry. The fact is there are people who may do the same things that reporters do, but they're not reporters. Pat McAfee isn't a reporter. He's not a journalist. He's an entertainer. It's really, I'm not sure what anyone would be expecting Are we really going to think that Pat McAfee is going to start grilling Aaron Rodgers and asking him the tough questions? That's not the reason Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show. So I I would hope that there are not people out there who are actually mad at Pat McAfee for for doing this. I mean, it's bizarre. 
Um, I, I think as far as Rodgers goes, there's, you know, Rodgers is an interesting one because I did not realize that he was right of center, right? I don't think a lot of people did. He came off as being very left of center. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's an interesting thing because, you know, Rodgers, you know, if you don't say anything, people will project onto you many things, right? Uh, to use a political example, I kind of look at Mueller and people were projecting onto Bob Mueller all of this heroism and all of these incredible feats of, you know, what a great human being. And he never said anything. And then at the end, he never did anything either, right? And then all these people who had all these Bob Mueller prayer candles had to be sitting down going, wait, I thought this guy was a hero. Or, you know, even Kawhi Leonard. We kind of have this assumption of what kind of a guy Kawhi Leonard is from his silence. But if you look at the way he's operated in free agency and the things he's done, I don't think he's that guy, right? So if you don't say anything, people just project onto you all of these wonderfully positive things. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is his own man, right? You know, I mean, look, um, he has the views he has. I'm not surprised, right? I will say kind of being dishonest about it is different, um, you know, and, and I actually think unvaccinated players have as much a reason to be angry at Aaron Rodgers as anybody else because Kirk Cousins has been following those onerous rules all season long and getting all the heat, too, that Aaron Rodgers was avoiding. There you go. That's, so um, That's the big motivation, if I can interject, is that he was trying to avoid – the scrutiny, the outrage, et cetera, by coming clean, the phrase I'll use at the very beginning. You wanted to bring up a good point before we hit the record button, though, and I've said this for a lot of years, but I want you to say it first. He makes all of these comments, which the internet goes crazy, ESPN, NFL Network, everybody goes crazy, because he's giving you his opinion. He's giving you his honest feelings. Pick up on that. John, don't we want that don't we crave give me some honesty pull the curtain back yeah i want you to be honestly in agreement with all of my deeply held political views right (laughs) that's what it is uh and uh you know the fact is there's this need for purity that we have now where if you don't think the things that i think then you're this and that you know it's it's an interesting thing it just reminded me i'm trying to figure out what michelle tafoya was thinking last week Michelle Tafoya, who is great and one of the best ever to do what he's doing. And, uh, you know, that sideline, he's also much more versatile than people realize because you got to be a little bit older to remember her on play-by-play on the WNBA, but she was good at that. And in this era of women doing play-by-play, I I actually would be intrigued to know know if she's interested in doing that again because there's opportunity now, greater opportunity. So Michelle Tafoya is excellent. And she went on The View last week. I mean, The View is awful right the way that they treat people and i know a lot of people hate megan mccain but i believe megan mccain all that stuff sounds accurate like there's there's no indication i mean based on just the sheer number of horrible conflicts that people have had on that show for 20 30 years and it seems like the biggest set school in tv so i don't know why what michelle defoya was thinking going on this show michelle defoya anyone who has ever you know it's no secret if you are paying attention, he's a conservative, right? He's got conservative views. You know, in this era, you lose people just by saying what you believe, which I guess is fair. If you're saying mm-hmm. something that someone thinks is outrageous, it's okay, you know, if, if that person decides they don't like you anymore. But, you know, it is, there's penalties for saying what you believe. There are, uh, you know, and 
I, I don't quite know why Tafoya did that. And I don't really know why Aaron Rodgers did that either. Because again, if you just stay silent, people will you know, project onto you only the most flattering things. All right, so let me add two things. I think uh, she was appearing on that show. Do they not have an opening on that show and that may be an agent having her try out, et cetera? I don't know that full dynamic. I don't watch The View. She may be looking to branch out. That may be something else that she wants to do. And she gave her opinions. In, in terms of Rogers, I think he was angered by a lot of the, the outrage and just wanted to respond Again, he's at such an elite level in terms of status and accomplishment, et cetera, that he can fire back and, and withstand whatever's coming back at him. I think it is interesting at the time that we're taping that State Farm, who is a massive, massive sponsor with the NFL, and he is the front face of State Farm's advertising campaign for the last 10 seasons, has now stood by him. I think that's interesting when so many sponsors have been fleeing from so many people making comments or if they get themselves in trouble or get fired across the board, sports and otherwise. I thought that was interesting. They're standing by him. Um, so the, anyway, that's my point is that he's at a, he's at an elite point in terms of the media. Society doesn't do very much of this. I'm going to give my point of view. He's on he's in a comfortable setting there with McAfee sitting in his home on his couch. The other guys are remote digitally, and he's just going to give his point of view. I thought it was interesting. The game was going to be on Fox Sunday, the late game on Fox uh, between Kansas City and Green Bay. And Terry Bradshaw came out right away on the Fox pregame show and blasted him on the network that's going to show the game. John, what's your take? Because everybody had all their opinions and sides, but Fox had every reason to kind of play it down the middle and run the game and do the whole thing. And Terry Bradshaw came with both barrels right away on their pregame show Sunday. Bobby, hundred percent real. I was in the air, so I did not see what Terry Bradshaw said. Uh, I know he did criticize Aaron Rodgers, And, you know, that's an interesting point to make is Terry Bradshaw. I'm pretty sure Terry Bradshaw's not like a liberal or anything, right? I'm pretty sure he's conservative Correct. as well. Correct. So that gets to the issue that this is not necessarily partisan. Right. I mean, this is not necessary. Aaron Rodgers talked about, you know, the woke mob and cancel culture. But I suspect that it's not just, you know, the, you know, the MSNBC crowd that's upset about about this. So, you know, that is a good point to keep in mind. I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's weird. I mean, it is weird, isn't it? Like, it's bizarre. Like, you know, my, Beyond anything else, beyond the vaccination culture war that we have in this country, beyond anything else, I mean, he didn't think that this lie was going to be a problem. It's odd, right? I mean, the Packers were okay not telling the league what was going on. It's strange. It just, well, apparently, as the story sense. goes, the Packers knew and the league knew his status. But the, the great double standard is here. They weren't making that public. He wasn't having to make that public while they privately operated under the NFL's guidelines, right. et cetera, et cetera. However, and this is important too, and I don't want to bog down too much and we'll move on to other stuff. So I work for an NFL team. I had to be vaccinated to do my job, okay? Obviously, many, many others had, to, had no choice. If you're going to go yeah. do your job and be in the press box and be on the field, et cetera, you have to have proof of the vaccination or you weren't going to be able to do your job. The interesting thing were the threats, and I have an email, which was basically a threat from the NFL, that if you do anything uh, here to try to subvert the process 
or to commit fraud that you haven't had the vaccine, that is a fireable offense. That was the threat back in the offseason. That's where we hone in on the Rodgers thing of was he committing a fraud here? Was he not being fully transparent? When he's in the press conference room, the rule was a not and is a non-vaccinated player has to have a mask on. Whether you agree with the rule or not, whether or not you think you're going to transmit to other people that are sitting away from you with a mask on, that was the rule. That's the rule. My point, John, is that we're being all threatened with our employment and with the job and with whatever, follow the rules or else. So when he was going on and on about, well, you know, parsing, well, I don't think I was endangering anybody in the press conference. The rule was you got to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated and other, and other players around the NFL are doing that in their press conferences or they're doing them virtually by the, by the rule. Uh, I just come back to one thing to bring it back to what we're doing on the podcast. We want honesty. We want honest answers. We don't want stock answers. We don't want cliches. You mentioned Kawhi Leonard not talking. We don't want players that don't talk. We want to hear what's their true feelings. What do they really think? And now we want to blast them for what their feelings are. You can't have that both ways as far as I'm concerned. Finish up on that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a two-sided story with Rodgers because one side of it has nothing to do with his politics at all. It's just the dishonesty where honestly, I think whether you're a conservative, whether you're a liberal, whether you are pro-vaccine, whether you are skeptical of the vaccine, fact is there's a lot of people who have won. There are people who have gotten vaccinated who didn't want to, which whatever you think of their doubts, anytime you're injecting yourself with something that you don't want to inject yourself with, that's, that's a big deal, right? I mean, I, I, I I almost hesitate to say that, even though it's just self-evidently a big deal to be injected with something you don't trust. So there are people who are making that sacrifice, right? You may not view it as a sacrifice, but they do. And Rogers is getting away with not having to do that by lying, and he's going to get away with it because he's Aaron Rodgers, right? The rules do not apply to Aaron Rodgers. We know this, right? There are people to whom the rules just don't apply, and Rodgers is one of them. uh, And... uh, yeah, so I, I don't think there's, I don't think it's a partisan conflict there. But when we talk about the, when he starts bringing up woke mob and cancel culture and all that, that speaks to a more deep seated issue for him where he's clearly much more conservative than people realize, right? Um, and you don't have to be a conservative to, you know, be skeptical of what is perceived as wokeness or cancel culture. In fact, is way more liberals who are against that than people think <laughs> they just keep their mouth shut but i i don't think uh, bill maher is alone on that so maybe rogers maybe for all we know rogers is just a bill maher style democrat you know maybe he's not even a conservative but the point is on that front if we're talking about the broader political views that rogers espoused you know people are complete hypocrites on this issue they only want to hear you, you know, talk about your political views and your views on social issues if those views are ones you agree with. You know, that's just the reality. Um, wasn't there a Saints player who is uh, Benjamin Watson? And am I correct mm-hmm. that he's anti-abortion, right? Correct. Now, you know, I don't necessarily share his views on that topic, but it's interesting that you would never hear him mentioned as someone who is active on social issues, right? Because the social issue that he's active on is one that is not necessarily outside of Fox News, a social issue that is acceptable to a lot of people, right? So, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy on that. And you know something, the players have to be seen. 
Like, there's no way that, like, LeBron and Draymond and all those guys didn't notice that they were heroes when their political views were one way. And then when they expressed a view that wasn't as popular, they basically got the shut up and dribble. Like, no one, nobody said shut up and dribble. But if you could read between the lines of the reaction to their views on the vaccine, whether you think those views are misguided or whether you think those views are correct, whatever your views on their views are, that was, it wasn't quite shut up and dribble, but you could, I mean, you don't call people stupid unless you think they should shut up, right? Like, it's not like you're really stupid, but I want to hear more of what you have to say. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, you know, there was a lot of, by the way, I mean, stupid is kind of a dog whistle when it comes to black athletes. Okay. So, uh, you know, and there's this weird idea that only one side of the political debate can be, you know, racist. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of uh, black people, uh, I have to speak for every black person. I can say that I certainly have never been under the illusion that only one side of the political debate can be, uh, you know, racist, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. And uh, it made me very deeply uncomfortable to hear uh, folks so casually throwing around the word stupid about people like Kyrie, about people like Bradley Beal. I mean, it even made me uncomfortable hearing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Right or you know reading could uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, say that uh, you know these players were validating the stereotype of the dumb jock. Now stereotypes can't get validated unless the person doing the stereotyping chooses to do that. Right? Uh, you know it, it's up to you to determine whether or not you're going to let somebody's actions validate a stereotype. So I was uncomfortable with a lot of that, and you know I. Again, I've been in the air, I've been traveling. I've not been paying as close attention to the Rogers discourse, but I'd be very intrigued how often he's been called stupid over the past week because I don't get the sense that he's been called stupid a lot. The same way that the there NBA have, players There have been some. There have been some in some corners that have put that out. Clearly, he's not, but I understand the point that you're making too. And, and it should be pointed out, Kyrie Irving has received all kinds of criticism uh, for publicly saying, I'm not taking the vaccine. He's not even allowed to play for his team right now because right. of the New York uh, mandates that you had to be vaccinated. And so the team wasn't going to let him only play in road games where he was allowed to play. Right. So that, and that has been thoroughly covered. It has been thoroughly right. debated and it's, and it's well known. So yeah. we and you know, that I, out too. I just want to say Kyrie Irving is not stupid. No, you know, he might be you wrong. Don't get into He's Duke. Uh, at last I checked, he was in Duke. You don't get into well, Duke if you're stupid. No, yeah, not, well, yeah, no, no. I, I don't think I don't think that's quite the disproving, you know, argument because look, it's a pretty strong argument though, John, because there's a lot of yeah. us, my hand included, that could not get into Duke if I tried to get into Duke back in the day. Yeah, well, if you had Kyrie's basketball skills, you never know, right? I mean, I but I, I, I think uh Kyrie's not stupid. He might be wrong, but he's not stupid. And that that really that got to me a lot. And you know something, and I don't want to get too far into politics here. But uh, there's one political strain of thought in particular that really loves calling other people stupid. And, uh, you know, I really love it if the, wow, these guys are really stupid thing would be put in the ash bin or trash bin, whatever. I guess I'm pretty dumb too, right? <laughs> of, of political messaging history. And one more on that. You and I are different. We're alike in a lot of ways and love the same things. You're black, I'm white. 
can I go one step further with you? Not everybody that disagrees with someone that's black is a racist. So let's do away with labeling everybody that disagrees as a racist and maybe listen to some of what they're saying and understand there can be different points of view while you're not being labeled a racist. Right. So I will just go along with that step uh, along your same lines of the dog whistle word stupid. It's not even a dog whistle. It's now on a neon billboard everywhere. And that's, that's part of what Rogers was talking about with cancel culture, et cetera. If I disagree with you and you're black and you label me racist, big time trouble for me across society, employment, everything else. Let's tone that down as well. So you and I go back and forth. I love that uh, here on you know, the podcast. Let me say, you know, as far as that goes, I think calling people racist is always going to be this inflammatory thing. Uh, and I don't think it applies to a ton of people. I don't think it applies to the large. And, you know, there are people who are not necessarily inherently racist. You know, there are ways of arguing things. There are ways of speaking, like I said, with a dog whistling, with a stupid. That, I know what that means. Right, I know what it means when you call a black athlete stupid. I've seen it, and just because you're a liberal, just because you write for you know I don't know whatever publication, because you have the right politics, doesn't mean that I don't still hear what is intended when you call these guys stupid. Right? It's I mean, it's just that that to me, I wouldn't say that anyone who said that is a racist, but I would say that I know what the intention of that is. I know where that comes from. I know what that's about. I know the stereotypes that are involved, you know? And I mean, to me, I've been hearing black athletes get derided as stupid my entire time following this industry from both sides of the political aisle, you know? And I mean, it's just incredible. I remember when John Amici came out, it's an openly gay player. And there was this writer named Ken Levine, who was a writer on Frasier and Shears, wrote some great episodes of Frasier and Shears, you know? Uh, and uh, he's, he was very upset at uh, the comments that Tim Hardaway made, not Tim Hardaway Jr., obviously, Tim Hardaway Sr., uh, flat out said, quote unquote, I'm homophobic. That's what he said on the Dan LeBitard show. Uh, and, you know, Ken Levine responded by that with some of the most ridiculous invective I've ever heard directed at NBA players. I mean, basically saying these guys are stupid in, you know, just that was it. It was this big Huffington Post article that, you know, over and over and over again said they sounded like Pogo, which I don't even know who that is. But I assume that's probably a pretty negative portrayal of, 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 of Black people. So, you know, and, you know, that's, again, that's coming from the left, right? That's not coming from Tucker. I mean, granted, it wouldn't shock me if your Tucker say something similar, right? But, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, I know what it means when people call Black athletes stupid. I know what that means. And, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily that anyone who does that is inherently racist, but I intent you know, you can, I, I can see where that stuff's coming from. Understood. All right. We have waited long enough. I'm going to morph it all into things that we still want to talk about. Let's do it. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Uh, college football, the ratings continue to be strong. Ohio State's uh, win over Nebraska on the big noon kickoff on Fox. The early game on Fox was the highest rated game of the weekend. That's a bit surprising that it did I guess slightly better, John, than Alabama LSU in primetime. I got the privilege of working that game on national radio. Are we still loving the train of ratings right now that college football is on? Because it looks like they're still doing well relative with audience, uh, especially in primetime on Saturdays. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all nondescript, right? This is the dog days of the season, you know, uh, until Thanksgiving week in a couple of weeks. And it's kind of sleepy. Get those terrible SEC cupcake, uh, cupcake games this week. You know, ridiculous matchups. Uh, you know, so I think 5 million viewers for two games last week is actually pretty good for November. I do. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, that, you know, that, and Nebraska is a terrible team, but they kept it close, right? They kept it competitive. You know, it's noon, there's not much else on, might as well. And then as far as Alabama, LSU, you know, that was a great pickup for ESPN. I suspect CBS lets ESPN have that because they want to get another Alabama game down the line and don't want to go, uh, run up against the limit because, you know, LSU may be terrible, but that's a great rivalry. And you never know when LSU is going to bring it because they're playing Bama. And, and, and they Bama. did. And they did Saturday night. Yeah. And it made for a dramatic game and a good and a good rating on that. And yeah, they do alternate and have to decide uh, whether CBS gets a game or whether ESPN gets a game. And coming soon in a couple of years, ESPN will control all of it yeah. on what game they put on ABC at 3.30, what game goes into primetime, what games on the SEC network. CBS won't have a say-so in that. So that was... That was interesting. Anything else? I think CB, I think the SEC is going to regret that. I think the SEC, obviously not financially, right? Financially, it's going to be great. But, you know, it's really good to have multiple partners. I think the Big Ten has benefited so much from having Fox in there, uh, having two networks that are there to kind of build your conference up. And to have CBS and ESPN has been a big boon, I think, to the SEC. Being ESPN exclusive, first of all, you know, I mean – does ESPN even have the space to, I mean, accommodate the entirety of the SEC? You know, I mean, what's going to happen to this conference as far as you're going to suddenly have, you know, the big games, you know, that are distributed all over the day, which sounds like a good move, but 3.30 on Saturday has become the SEC's time slot. Nobody even really competes with them. Back to appointment TV. If you're an SEC yeah. fan, that has been appointment TV for 15 plus years, almost 20 plus years now of, of 3.30 Eastern time, 2.30 Central time, because a lot of the Southeastern Conference schools are in the, in the Central time zone. They know that that's there. So does that translate on ABC when they move it over there? Because my understanding of the deal is the 3.30 ABC game is replacing the 3.30 CBS game. We'll see if that's always the case. Right. I don't know. And, and again, would lead to a whole different discussion too on ESPN monopolizing the game, yeah. the sport of college football and how it's televised for the most part. So we'll see yeah. on that. Let's get to another subject. Here we go. Love it or leave it. Fun one to loosen it up. I got back into the Tampa Bay market here. I cut the radio on. Yes, I actually listened to over the air radio sometimes in the car. And one of the stations, John, had done it. They had taken the leap. They had gone 24 hour Christmas music over the second weekend of November. They are playing nothing but Christmas music from now all the way through Christmas. Love it or leave it, not just Christmas music specifically, but the inundation of Christmas music on the radio and everywhere else in early November. Can we not wait till at least Thanksgiving is my point? Love it or leave it for you. Is it too soon? You know, I didn't feel that way last year. Last year was such terrible garbage that it was like, all right, well, you know what? You're going to, you know, if the year's going to be this bad, I'm going to take as much Christmas as I want, you know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, but, you know, this 
year, I'm so busy right now. I can't even focus on Christmas. It's too early. It feels like, you know, I've got all this stuff going on. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, it, it's a, it's a science because the holiday season goes by so quickly. I mean, it just goes by really quickly. If you ever want to measure mortality, just, you know, try to hold on to the holiday season and watch that uh, you know, go through your fingers like sand in the hourglass, right? Uh, I think ultimately, I don't know. I, I think if I didn't, if I wasn't busy right now, if I didn't have everything going on that I was doing, I might've already started with the tree by now uh -huh. because like it goes right. by so quickly. But when you have a lot of stuff to do, it definitely seems too soon because you can't enjoy it, right? Because you're busy working. And there's no sense in having Christmas decorations up if you're busy working. The whole point of the holidays is like that you're not working. You're having fun and being with family. Entertaining people, yeah. bringing them over. Yeah. Hallmark Channel, by the way, started the Christmas movies, I think, in, yeah. in like September. So they, they, they have found a real boon, a real gold mine with those Hallmark Christmas movies. But they keep starting them earlier and earlier. They, they debut some of them now in the summer, by the yeah. way. And people yeah. watch, including in my house and blood relatives of mine, will watch the Christmas movies in July. It's too much. It's too much. I'm just saying that. That's just me. Can I say that Lacey Chabert becoming essentially just exclusive to Hallmark Channel is like when Stefan Marbury went to China? <laughs> because I'll tell you something. Lacey Chabert's got the talent to do more than what she's doing. But she's, you know, getting she's making good money, I'm sure. I was about to say, yeah. here's the other part of the equation. How much is she getting right. for that? And there you go. But she's got the talent to be doing better stuff than she's doing, right? I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I grew up on I grew up on the Wild Thornberries. So, you know, Lacey Chabert, I've been hearing her voice for like the entirety of my life. And I'm just like, he can be doing better than this. I mean, making some more interesting, interesting material in Hallmark Channel. But well, you know just, what? The money's good. While we digress, just for one more second, and we're going to move on to one more love it or leave it. Remember, they had done all of the stuff in advance with Lori Lachlan, the actress, and she mm -hmm. got in all the trouble with the admission scandal at USC and got disgraced and removed and they had to redo all of it. And I can't recall off the top of my head, somebody can send it to us on social media uh, with you at Paulson underscore SMW for sports media watch or send it to the site on who replaced her, but they had to take hours and hours, days and days to replace all of the stuff she had shot introing, outroing, going to commercial about the Hallmark movies because uh, again, she was in trouble uh, on federal charges and eventually got limited, I think, uh, jail time, federal, federal mm -hmm. jail time. The husband got much more, but they had to scramble because she was on all of that stuff. So that opened up for Lacey and for others, the opportunity to get in on the Hallmark channel when all of that scandal well, happened. I think, I think Lacey was already pretty firmly ensconced by that point anyway. But I will say they did bring back Lori Laughlin to When Calls the Heart which I've never seen in my life. I don't even know how I know that that's true, but it is true. They're bringing her back, you know, so. They're rehabilitating yeah. her. And Candace Cameron Bure, who's married to the former NHL player, uh, Pavel Bure, the actress from the 90s, she's big on all the Hallmark movies. You see her all really? the time. It's yeah. always on in my house, so this is how I know these things. Uh, yeah. She's been in a bunch of them, and uh, very interesting from going back in the day, yeah. her Cameron sister. The only one of those movies I've ever seen was the one where Lisa Welchel and Kim Fields were in it from the Facts of Life. <laughs> You're and a big I still Facts of Life guy. We know I this am a big podcast, Facts of Life so you guy. were in. You were I in am. on that episode, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, solely because it was Lisa Welchel and Kim yeah. Fields, right? Reunited. Uh, I will say 
I don't know why Lisa Welchel was the lead and not Kim Fields because Kim is, you know, Kim, look, I'll say this. If you only know Kim Fields from Facts of Life, then you don't know enough about Kim Fields because she was so much better as Regine Hunter than as Tootie Ramsey. Tootie was an annoying character, okay? I mean, Tootie is just annoying. Regine, you need to watch Living Single if you've not watched. He's so good as Regine that it, it, it cleanses her of having been Tootie because Tootie is uh, annoying. I'm not a Tootie guy. Fair, fair enough on all of this. One more topic to get to before we're done. Love it or leave it. And this is regarding the NBA. You wanted to say a little bit about the yeah. NBA. The Lakers are off to a struggling start. Uh, there are some that read a lot into November pro basketball. Love it or leave it on cause for concern, sounding red alarms for any teams, television networks that are going to feature the Lakers or any other team that's that's losing in the NBA. Is it too soon? Love it or leave it? Well, you know, it's interesting. The Lakers at six and five have the exact same record through 11 games that they did in the disastrous Dwight and Steve Nash year in 2012-13, right? And they were a seven seed, Kobe Torres Achilles. And, you know, this Lakers team was struggling a lot. LeBron's hardly played. Westbrook just does not seem to know what he's doing right now. I mean, Russ has had tough starts before and improved as the season went along. The Lakers better hope that's the case this time. They barely beat Charlotte last night, a good Charlotte team. Uh, and uh, ultimately uh, should have won easily, but because of some dumb mistakes down the stretch, including by Russ and some weird technicals, went to overtime. But the real thing about the Lakers right now is, you know, you can't depend on the Lakers to be there in June. God, you know, God willing, it's June and not, you know, December or whatever nightmarish nonsense we've been dealing with lately. So, uh, you know, God willing that it's June, you can't depend on the Lakers to be there. The good thing is Golden State is 8-1 or 9-1, actually. They look really good. They look really good. And this is not Golden State with Durant, where the whole thing is an embarrassment because they've stacked the deck and it's like ridiculous. This is this is a kind of a, an organic Golden State team with a lot of draft picks with, you know, I, I, in fact, I think pretty much all their players, except maybe Wiggins, are, are homegrown, you know, right. and they're playing an entertaining style of basketball. So I think the NBA is in an interesting spot because the Lakers really look like a, a play-in team right now. Maybe they can be aspiring to be a play-in team because there are times that they look like they're not even a play-in team. But, you know, so you would think, man, the NBA is not going to be LeBron making the deep playoff run. What are they going to do? If you get Steph in there, you can certainly survive the absence of LeBron, right? You have to have one or both, you know, but you, you don't, you know, as long as it's not neither. Uh, and then the other thing is the Bulls look really good. They just beat up the Nets last night. And they look really, really good. Uh, you know, uh, they got some ex-Lakers on there, right? Uh, Lonzo Ball, Caruso, and they look great. Uh, the Bulls look good. The Knicks look good. Yep. You know, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in the NBA. That, that's not been the case. Those two seasons, the two COVID seasons were, uh, uh, you know, even before the COVID uh, delay in 1920, that wasn't a good season, you know. So, you know, I think for the NBA, this is so far, knock on wood, because, you know, uh, this has been a good season. And I think as long as Golden State is for real, right, it's too early to write off the Lakers and it's too early to anoint the Warriors. But as long as Golden State is for real, the NBA can survive the Lakers not being very good. 
So we're putting you in the leave it category of leave it alone on all the criticism in November. I agree with you on that. We should also point out, I'm going to just uh, addendum to what you said, the, the Warriors won a championship and we're contending for championships without Kevin Durant. So that should be said too, uh, to yeah. your point about homegrown and build around Steph, Clay, Tom, uh, Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green and others. Um, and then college basketball. We're going to get out of here in yeah. just a second. College basketball starts up as we release the podcast Tuesday night, doubleheader, Madison Square Garden, the Champions Classic. They've been doing this for years now with the round robin, if I have it correctly, or at least the quartet of Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan State alternating playing each other. So it's Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State to kick off the season essentially on the Tuesday night at the Garden, and then everybody's off and running. Uh, how good will UCLA be? Uh, coming back off of that great run, bringing all their players back. Uh, will there be some other contending programs like Alabama? Gonzaga is, is back as uh, the national runner-up. Baylor lost all their guys, but all the college basketball starts up, and you'll start seeing it everywhere on ESPN, et cetera, along with the NBA. And I'm saying to you and to the podcast audience, I'm a big college basketball guy. Now, I've got 503 different things going on, so I can't just sit and watch all the games all the time, but I will partake some here and there as we go along and we – head to as I like to say as we march towards March and we get to February and March get acclimated because now the college basketball is here real quick John yeah you know it's so interesting last year when the season started it was weird because no one had any confidence it would get to the end right you had all the doom and gloom hey you know they're not even going to make it to February you know uh, and uh, at the same time it was also more of an event too like you had it started in the middle of the day you know, because it yes. started after Thanksgiving. So it kind of started with the Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, the Champions Classic seemed weirdly bigger last year because it had been so long, you know, no tournament. Uh, and uh, it's weird because it was fanless and everything, but it just seemed bigger to me. So this year actually seems kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm not paying any attention to this. This kind of snuck up. I don't have the time for college basketball to get started, right? you know. And so, and, and, you know, the other thing too, the Champions Classic is the same four teams every year and eventually you just kind of get bored with it, you know? Uh, and so, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just. But in this year, in this year, you have a Duke team that missed the NCAA tournament coach K's mm -hmm. final year, because he's already hung it up and it's one more victory tour year. And then John Shire takes over Kentucky had a losing record and missed the NCAA yeah. tournament. So I think part of, and Michigan state barely got in and was in the first four and lost to UCLA. Yeah. So a lot of the intrigue is, are those three teams really back? Are they better? Right. We'll get a taste of it. We won't know for a few games, a few weeks if they're back. But I think that is some intrigue. If you're a college basketball fan, fan are those blue bloods any good when clearly two of them missed the tournament last year, the other one barely made the tournament, Michigan state, three of these four that you're making mention yeah. of. Yeah, you know, that is a good point. I mean, they had terrible seasons last year. I mean, Duke, Michigan State, uh, Kentucky, Duke and Kentucky especially. Uh, so, you know, maybe they're resurgent, maybe they're not, but maybe that's part of the reason why uh, I'm not really I'm not really into it this time. You know, I think they should do every year, they should have a, a final four redux to start the season. So four teams that made the final four play each other again in another one of these tiny little tournaments to open things up. Not a bad yeah. idea. Not a bad idea. Maybe they can sound off, but I kind of like that, where we would get the uh, the rematch of Gonzaga-UCLA. And again, UCLA's got the, all their whole team back uh, from last year, essentially. But still, it's it's a good premise that you have that Baylor, 
Gonzaga, Houston, UCLA in this case would be playing right away. Some kind of redo, a good suggestion. Maybe ESPN will come up with that and we'll follow that up. I know this. We've come to the end of another sportsmediawatch.com podcast. John, uh, I always love getting the chance to chat with you. We encourage uh, everybody to read the site, sportsmediawatch.com. Anything in closing? Any final thoughts before we're out of here on this edition? Uh, Flow sports is extremely expensive, and I don't know why conferences join ranks with it. The idea of paying $30 for one month to watch, you know, a conference tournament is absurd. Wow. Yeah. That's just one random thought before we go. I like that. All right. So I had not investigated flow sports, but you're knocking them already for too much money for not enough product on that. Because the interesting thing is you can get away. Sunday ticket showed us this 20 years ago. You can get away with charging a lot of money if there's demand and people want to watch it. The supply and demand thing only, only works if there actually is demand. And then the price will come down naturally. I will say NBA League Pass is $40 a month, even more expensive, but I have no regrets. I, I'm getting the NBA League Pass premium and I'm watching every game. And if you and, have mu- many more games, then, it's, then it can yeah. be deemed worth it, right? And that's your right. point with Flow Sports only having a limited game. selection, right? Exactly. And let me say this. I criticized NBA League Pass on Twitter a few weeks ago because the NBA, the NBA app on Apple TV is garbage. It's terrible. But the NBA app on, at least on Android, on mobile, is really good. It's actually the best quality I've ever seen. Uh, you, you're watching the game on your phone, and it's far superior to seeing it on TV. Because the NBA, they don't care about us old folks who watch on TV. They're only interested <laughs> in the young viewers who are watching on mobile. So what I did is I went out and uh, I got myself a tablet. So that uh, a nice tablet with a nice screen so that I could watch the NBA League Pass on a relatively big screen while getting the really, really high quality that they put into the mobile. It'd be nice if they cared even one iota about the Apple TV version, which at times will literally crash. You'll be watching the game and it'll literally just crash. They got to work on that. But uh, the mobile version is definitely worth the money. John is touting that. They're not even paying him to say that. He's touting that as he's big with there with the NBA and the, and the league pass. And if I can just add on uh, to it, there's going to be a bazillion, my number made up, college basketball games uh, added to ESPN Plus, for example, which I subscribe to. Uh, there's college football that's still there every Saturday. Uh, they now have every NHL game, but they still black out the games in my local market. I said this on a, on a couple of podcasts ago. That again, I'm on Hulu. They don't have a deal with Bally Sports. I cannot see the local market, in my case, in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays games or the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey games or the Orlando Magic games or anything else that's on Bally Sports in my region. Yet I am paying for Hulu, which has a subscription service, and I'm paying for ESPN Plus. And, and Hulu, by the way, is Disney. And I'm paying for ESPN Plus, which is supposed to give me every game. You've got my money twice already. Let me see the lightning hockey. Let me see the magic basketball uh, through it. See if we can figure that out uh, somehow, somewhere. Well, there you go. I understand. The, the only streaming service with Valley is, is DirecTV Stream. So I have that now. And let me say, look, uh, on TV, it's fine. You know, it's interesting because the NBA app on TV is terrible. So the only way that I can watch League Pass on my TV is through DirecTV Stream. Right. And then I can use those direct TV screen credentials to then watch League Pass on mobile. So that's how I'm doing it. But, you know, is it worth the money? Let me tell you, it's, a, it's the oddest thing. Direct TV stream on mobile, terrible, terrible on mobile. It's perfectly adequate on TV. 
because DirecTV Stream is for us old folks who are used to cable. It's a very cable reminiscent system gotcha. by, you know, or satellite, obviously with DirecTV. So their TV version is very strong. Their mobile game is extremely weak. Meanwhile, NBA League Pass, different audience. Their TV app is terrible. Their mobile app is, again, I want to reiterate here, I've never seen quality this good on a phone or tablet. It is better than my 4K TV. And, and in fairness, ESPN Plus on the phone is outstanding for the college football, the college basketball, the NHL that I'm allowed to see, whatever it is. The quality is good. My beef is I'm paying you for Hulu. I'm paying you for ESPN Plus. Turn on the local broadcast, for God's sake, uh, and have a, have a way to see the home team on that. But you, you said in a recent podcast, if not last week, the week before, the whole Bally's thing may be collapsing anyway. Stay tuned. Yeah. And then it's, it's every league for themselves, for the NHL, MLB, NBA, on what are you going to do to get your product to your, to your fans in the local market. And then we got to figure that out um, as well. I know this. We've come to the end of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. John, I always love being with you. Uh, again, they need to read the site, SportsMediaWatch.com, give you fa- uh, feedback through the site, give you feedback on social media at Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N underscore S-M-W. And give you feedback on the site, reaction to it, reaction to the podcast as well. They need to subscribe or follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and get more of it. We want more and more audience to come in and find us through all these different ways. John, I always love being with you. Uh, safe, safe times in Boston, safe travels whenever you're coming back. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I'm going to be heading up to Cheers so I can, you know, take my little, uh, my little photo there and i'll head down into the bar and uh, hopefully george Wen will be sitting on a stool somewhere wouldn't that be we'll find out if everybody truly does know your name if you get in there and get i want you to report back on the podcast sounds like a lot of fun i've been to boston several times but i've never been in the cheers bar or seen it or all i want you to report back to me all right yeah and if you know what by the way i'm here for like uh, a little bit more if anyone has been noticed any like you know tourist attractions in boston because i'm drawing a blank like where should i be going so if you've got any quincy's quincy's market you got to go see uh the tour about uh paul paul revere's midnight ride there's some other touristy things you can probably do i know a few of those things but if you're from baston if you're from the harbor from up there in uh, in the in the new england area hit john up paulson underscore smw or find him through sportsmediawatch.com he's looking he's looking to see what else he can do besides go catch a celtics game or a Bruins game or something, or a Patriots game this time of year. John, thank you as always. Great stuff. All right, no problem. There is John Lewis. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.